Hello, my name is Daniel Kelly and this is May Contain, the podcast breaking the stigma of what it's really like living with a severe food allergy. I have lived with a peanut allergy since I was five, so I'll be talking about the different situations I've come across over the last 20 years living with food allergy, whether that's dating, going out with your friends, living abroad, hopefully give you guys like a really good insight into what it's like living with food allergy. Hello and welcome back to the Make and Tame podcast. If you are new to Make and Tame, make sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. And over the past few weeks, it's been interviewing some absolutely incredible guests. I can't wait to share with you guys who those are. Um, but on this week's podcast, I'm joined by the incredible The Allergist Table. And a lot of you guys will know The Allergist Table within the allergy community. She does amazing algae-free recipes, but she also shares really personal blog posts about herself and how she kind of manages her algae. And it was great to get the opportunity to sit down with Wendy to kind of talk about her algae story and why she wanted to set up the algae table. But it's like really, she's had such an interesting life. Obviously, she's lived in New York and she's like lived in Switzerland, which we talk about on the podcast. And it's kind of really interesting to talk about the importance of the EpiPen. And she's had to use the EpiPen on multiple occasions. So we kind of talk about the importance of using that and making sure that people are aware about how to use it. Um, we talk about anxiety. We kind of tackle a lot of subjects in this podcast. And it was really insightful to kind of sit down and share Lindy's story. So here's the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. Yeah, really well. Um, yeah, just living, living this life, <laughs> this isolation life. Yeah. How do you are you feel, doing? Yeah, not too bad. Do you feel like a lot safer now Now you're living at home with these, like, because you've got quite a few allergies as well? Yeah, I do. Oh, I, I haven't actually counted how many, because I, I I know a lot of people count and they say, like, I have over 25 or anything like that. But I have a lot of anaphylactic allergies, um, not just, like, the main ones. So for me, it's a lot safer being at home. I can cook myself. I can... I don't have to let anyone down. I don't have to say like, oh, we should go there. And I have to call everyone saying, is it okay? Yeah. <laughs> Will you be safe with me? Like, where are we going? And then I have to like do a lot of research. You know, for me, it's a lot easier. And I love cooking. I love baking. So I just got to do it all day, every day now. <laughs> so it's so fun. That's amazing. So it's actually give you like more time now to actually like cook and experiment and make like algae-free like recipes. Yeah, and trying more now, I have more time to like do food photography um, and I get to, you know, just make crazy concoctions. And even if they fail, they fail. But like I have a lot of time, whereas before I'd like spend an hour a week. Now I can spend an hour, two hours a day. That's so good. I think it's like during this time, it's actually like really good. To, now it's like a possibility to obviously learn. And if you wanted to learn how to do podcasts or you wanted to learn or do like more, like, like you said, food photography, it's just give us this time and flexibility now to kind of practice on these skills. Yeah, it's like the commuting time has cut off. So it's there's more time in the day to just research or to watch a YouTube video on how to do a crazy thing. Like I started to do handstands, which I know everybody is doing, but oh, I... Really? decided to start doing handstands because I never had the time to do handstands and now because I'm working out at home instead of going to the gym I have an extra hour of my day to do handstands so yeah. um yeah, and picked up knitting and things like <laughs> like just a lot of random things which I know that you've talked about in a, po- a podcast recently about do- like doing piano and starting yeah. to do this stuff that you didn't know that like you never had the time to do it so um yeah it's been fun like I've had a good time <laughs> during isolation. Yeah, that's but... what I'm. 
I'm scared of going back to work now. I think I've got like anxiety now to like going back to work and trying to get used to like being in like a routine. So at the minute, I'm just trying to like keep myself busy. And I think like the the blog and podcast, and I imagine for you as well, it keeps yourself busy like during the day. Oh, so yeah, because I also do distance learning um, from the Open University. So I've been doing that for a whole year. So that paired with the blog has just really like it's just been such a time like a saver for me you know so I can do a lot of stuff during the day and I have a lot of t- things to fill my time now because mm. um, I can just study or do a blog. How old was you when you found out about your algae then was you like really young? Yeah I was 10 months old um, um, with a peanut butter cookie I like snatched a cookie from another child's hands and I didn't eat it mum just snatched it away from me but my touched my I cried touched my face and blew up but we didn't have an EpiPen at the time how old would you even got an EpiPen and was that like a few years later or? so I, that was then so after that instance I had I got an EpiPen because I um because of the reaction but when they did my first test I I got a lot of allergies already so it wasn't just nuts so like it was the peanut butter cookie but then I it was tree nuts and then lentils and sesame or like then and there you know all those tests so I did have to and when I was when I was first diagnosed it was in London and I was within the top three babies that were um the most like the most allergenic of the whole country like it wasn't popular then (laughs) that's mad like yeah, and I do remember that because I always remember feeling really special that I was like within the top three yeah. <laughs> Um And then now, you know, I feel like I've come out the other side of, you know, my like in my teenage years and my 20s. And I'm like, oh, wow, there's many of us that have these allergies. And I, I missed that during that time. Like I didn't understand that I wasn't special anymore. Like there was a lot more people that were suffering through allergies and anaphylaxis going through like primary school and stuff was that was that quite hard obviously having like so many like different allergies and a lot of kids parties would your mum come with you to make sure there was definitely no like cross-contamination or no like kind of like any allergies you're allergic to yeah so she was really hands-on um uh we like what a lot of allergy mums do even now is that she'd make the food that she talked to the parent and make the food that they would make so I didn't feel left out of the actual food. Um, I was allergic to eggs before I was 12. So I had an egg, egg, egg allergy as well. So I couldn't have like a birthday cake. Um, so my mom had to make a special egg supplement birthday cake and things like that. Um, so there were a lot, a lot of baking. I think I got the baking from her because she did a lot of baking, a lot of cooking for me. So I couldn't eat like Indian food or Chinese food. And so mom would do all that food, but without the nuts without the sesame things like that so you know and she she's really good she's a really she's a really headstrong person so she would talk to a lot of like restaurants and she'd go to the chef every time she'd literally say to the waiter I'm going to talk to the chef and you know I'd also bring my own Tupperware to the restaurant because I was a child and I think when a lot of people are okay with it when people are when you're a child but as an adult they're like no you just don't have to eat was you wouldn't make a child not eat at a restaurant, yeah. to be fair. It's, it's amazing. 
it's amazing, obviously, like how what your mum like went to to make sure like you didn't like feel left out or you didn't feel isolated and that like you could still eat the food what your your friends were eating. So I thought it was really interesting when I was obviously reading through like your blog post and I think for anyone who's not been on the allergy table like um, website, make sure to check out blog post. So like really like personal and you really get like a good understanding of how you manage your allergies when you're younger. You talked about obviously getting brought up in Switzerland. How was that living with like allergies? Was they was they quite understanding? Was it free from algae food there? Like how did you get on? No, I don't know if anyone's been to Switzerland, but oh, um, in in the nineties, yeah, it's not. Um, I've been I've been thrown out of some restaurants. Oh wow! I have, um, they have not been very kind to little old Lindy. Um, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great at the beginning. It's better now, but for, I don't know, I love Switzerland, but a lot of the time it's like, it's their way or nothing. And it's, it's a, it's a culture, you know? So it was great, but there wasn't like, I had one restaurant in the whole of, I would go to and I would feel safe. One restaurant. Wow. What kind of, what kind of food was that then? Sorry. What kind of food? It was a great restaurant. It was called Cafe de Paris. And it would, they would cook your steak in front of you with um, garlic butter. And they would, it was just steak, chips, and salad. That was the only thing they would cook. They would, the only thing they served was oh, wow. steak, chips, and salad. So you can't and go it, too wrong, right? Like. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, and, you know, they cook it in front of you. So you're not worried that they're going to do something crazy in the kitchen and, you know, you get um, endless amounts of chips and a lot of, and the salad was incredible. So yeah, I went there and every time like someone was like, um, that came in from out of town, we would always go there every birthday, every event, anything like that. That's where we'd go, which is great, but there's, it's not a lot of variety. Is it, is it, it's really funny you say that in regards to like state restaurants, there's like one in like one place in London where I've always like felt like, safe eating and I went to this like state restaurant and was at the table and I, I said to the staff I've got like a really severe nut allergy you can make sure there's definitely no kind of like cross-contamination and the person sat next to me also had a nut allergy so it was like a massive long table and the, and the woman like next to me was like oh like don't worry like I've got like a nut allergy too so like I've got like my EpiPens with me too, just in case. So like, it, was, it actually like made me, like me anxiety go down. I'm like, oh my God, like we've got about four EpiPens on this table. We'd be fine if one of us um, has an anaphylactic shock. I love that. I love that. Whenever I go out with my aunt who has, um, who's anaphylactic to nuts as well, she has her two EpiPens and she's also um, an adult. Like I am an adult, but you know, she's an older adult. And so she does talk to the chef or does talk to the waiter with like more of, um, you know, a, gravitas than I yeah. do um, so I feel safer when I go out with her because you know it's like you're having a mom there yeah it's so good like when you kind of come across these experiences so it's the anaphylactic allergy awareness week and when I was kind of like reading like your blog obviously you spoke up the anaphylactic campaign supporting you when you were younger and I thought that was absolutely amazing because obviously I didn't know that like at the end of the campaign support yourself as well um, when you was much younger can you tell us the journey of how you kind of like come across the end campaign yeah so like when I my school experience in Switzerland was like 
off and on like so they were great with allergies they were really supported with my allergies but it was the it was the people that I found quite was the hardest um I I did have a lot of allergy bullying I did have a lot of fear that when I came to school with my allergies I always wanted to fit in but also they they never really took it seriously because there was nobody in the school apart from me and one other girl who had an allergy so my mother was really keen on making the children understand the seriousness of my allergy based on the fact that I was having some allergy bullying and like, you know, threatening to throw peanuts in my face and things like that. So she wanted the anaphylaxis campaign to come over to Switzerland and talk to the students and also talk to me as well um, about all of my questions because I've never really talk to anyone about my questions and my mom you know the internet and social media wasn't there when I was younger you know so we couldn't really find the people and really get into the depths of like what did I have questions about especially when you're young you want to you want to date people go out and like have fun yeah. yeah and I never really knew who to talk to about those kinds of things and I had a lot of crazy myths like one myth was I thought that the aller like the alcohol would make the allergies less so if I drank a lot then if I come into contact with my allergy it wouldn't exist what that's my- <laughs> yeah. and I just maybe I just made that up but that's how I thought so when the anaphylaxis campaign came I asked them all of these random things that were in my head and they just debunked a lot of one the fear the anxiety that I was having you know growing up with these allergies but also all of the myths that I was saying they just kind of kind of said no that's not true like alcohol actually makes it worse so you know it was it's a really good thing for me to do yeah I think it's amazing like I'm so glad yeah, it's amazing when I when I read about it as well. I thought it was amazing they actually went all the way to like Switzerland to like talk to the students and like like you said like educate them about the seriousness of allergies. And I think like definitely for me going through school, no, I don't think and it's strange though in the nineties that people just wasn't as understanding as they're now about the severities of allergies. When they came to Switzerland, that was the first time that I felt like I wasn't a burden like talking to them, I felt like I wasn't somebody, because I never feel like my allergies are me. You know, I never feel like I, my allergies are the least important part of me, you know? So, but when they came to talk to me, I felt like I could just spew everything I wanted to say about allergies to them. And they knew about it. Like nobody in my life knew what I was going through. My aunt didn't have her allergies until she was much later in life. So she didn't know growing up as a child how it feels yeah. to feel isolated. And that's why I did, I made the allergy table blog is because I was always put onto an allergy table. When I was eating lunch, when we had any cooking demonstrations, I was always separate to my friends. I was always felt like I was on the outside, even in primary school. And so I wanted the allergy table, not just to be the person with the allergies, but the everybody like the allergy table has everybody on it and um no matter what your allergies are even if you don't have an allergy it's I don't want I never I don't want anyone to feel separate anymore and I don't and 
I'm so happy with like the Instagram and my blog is because then I feel like I'm not separate anymore. I can talk about my allergy and I feel really good. And that started with the anaphylaxis campaign. So you you kind of spoke about obviously like setting up the kind of like allergy table. The amazing thing, I think with the obviously like yourself and being like a young kind of allergy advocate in the allergy community is just amazing now because I think like, you're helping so many like young people with allergies. And like you said, when you were younger, you didn't feel like you was kind of like listened to or you had all these questions and you're trying to look for answers. And I think it's amazing. Obviously you've kind of set up this like platform now to kind of raise awareness about your experiences and help young people with allergies. And it's been amazing to see it grow. I think you said like last year you had 230 followers and now you're on 874. So it's been like, it's incredible to kind of see your journey like get bigger and like reach out to like more people, which is absolutely incredible. What's your goals for this year then? Have you got any goals like kind of like what you want to achieve? Yeah, it's so funny, you know, because I started my Instagram in 2015. So what's, but that was just to talk about what I wanted to talk about. And it was never any, it's just that I didn't want to put it on my personal account. Yeah. I just wanted oh, to put okay, it yeah, separate. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, I did the blog cause I was like, no, I love writing. And I was like, you know what? I really have so much that I want to say. And you know, a lot of people just are bored of hearing me talk about it. So I did the blog, but it was a passion project. Like not even a project. It was just, selfish really I just wanted to write about stuff and then last year in August I was like you know what there's so many people on Instagram that talk about allergies that are really in a community why am I on the side of it because I have experience I have 27 years of experience absolutely why am I outside of this um and I just decided you know what I'm gonna put myself inside of this community and I'm gonna talk to people I'm gonna comment I'm gonna like I'm gonna follow I'm gonna be immersed in this and it's not for gain it's not for profit not for any of that I just want to be a part of a community where I can talk about my allergies and I feel safe and I feel um like people actually understand and have knowledge and education about it rather than just say to people who I know and love, but they don't understand my anxiety. They don't understand how I feel when I walk out of the house and I feel like, or eating something. I'm like, who knows? Like, you know, that I don't have that anymore. And so I did that and I can't, I cannot even tell you how like amazing it is to see it grow and to see, but not even to see it grow. Cause I keep saying like, these are people, they're not followers, they're people. And I have 800 and something, I don't know when he said 800 and something people who support me, want to talk to me, want to engage with me about my allergies and about my life. And that for me is incredible. Okay. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, and I'm so glad that I can now now have this platform where I can bring other people who are starting out on their platform and show that like, and ask them to um, showcase their experiences and their stories. And that's what I want to do this year is to um, showcase a lot of people who are in this platform, in this community and talk about their experiences and talk about what they've gone through. Like you're doing the podcast. Um, I, I prefer, I, I like writing, so I prefer the written word for me, but yeah, that's what I want to do. I just want, I want to get at least one a month. Yeah. That's amazing. Like that's absolutely incredible. And then like, like you said, like it's so important, obviously 
the LGBT community are so strong now and that everyone like supports each other, like you said, which is amazing. And no one's doing it for any gains. Like everyone who kind of like set up these algae box is purely, it's just a passion project and everyone's so passionate about kind of raising awareness and I've kind of seen over like the last few years like more young people now are kind of starting these algae blogs and it's just been absolutely incredible like, like there's more young people to kind of relate to now and that it's only just going to grow and get bigger over the next few years and it's been incredible that we can all kind of like support each other as well whether that's kind of sharing a post or it's commenting on, on, on a post or kind of sharing our experiences and like you said, it's so and important. Everyone, handles, yeah. everyone does it differently, which is what I love too. That nobody's ever the same. Like, just because we're talking about the same subject, everyone approaches it differently. You know, everyone um, thinks of allergies differently, which is such an amazing thing because, you know, everyone has their own kind of opinion thing. or, yeah, personality yeah. and like, yeah. yeah. And I think it, it's, ama- it's amazing what you said about obviously like yours is like you're really passionate about writing about it and just getting your thoughts on paper like and I think that's that's incredible because I just I'm not I, I really struggle with that so I think that's the reason I've gone more towards like video and like podcasts because I find it a lot easier to kind of express myself like verbally but it's amazing whether you start an allergy blog like you can do anything you could either start do start doing videos if you feel more comfortable in the camera or if you feel more comfortable writing, then you can do like a blog or, and write about your experiences that way. And I think it's one of the things as well, like it's amazing that more young people are doing it, but I think it's great as well. Like the more you do it, the more you feel comfortable doing it as well. Like I was never naturally comfortable doing a podcast with someone when I first started, but obviously the more you do something, the more you feel like comfortable doing it. And the same with writing as well. I imagine the more you kind of write these blog pieces, the more kind of like comfortable you feel kind of expressing it and sharing your experiences. Yeah, it, that is true. I mean, I, um, I like, I never really talk about it, especially because it's allergies. But I had a stroke in two thousand sixteen, so I, um, I have aphasia, which means that I sometimes like things that happen, I, I can't really get out my words, and I can't, and I stumble over it. And I used oh. to not because I, I did, um, I went to drama school. I used to be a really good speaker, but because of that, I have, I feel I judge myself a lot when I speak. Sorry to hear about that. Yeah. Yeah, and so for me, it's a lot safer to write it and edit and, you know, to feel like this is what I want to say and I've taken the time to say what I want to say and I feel like that, it makes more of an impact from, like, what I'm thinking of rather than just stumbling over my words and hoping that somebody gets it. And so, you know, if people like you are a really good speaker and you engage with people through your voice, I think that's your area and like videos and things like that, that you do vlogs and, you know, and that's your area. And for me, it's a lot of writing. Um, well, yeah, mainly writing. I just, I feel like I can get it across better. And, and, and I think like reading like your, your blog posts as well, like you do really get like your personality across and like and like your story is like very in depth and really detailed. So you kind of really understand like the different emotions you was going through and how you kind of like manage that, which I think is incredible because I could never write a blog piece the way you write it. Like it would be very hard for me to express myself. Like not like writing's not my kind of like natural I struggle to write my own name, never mind a blog post. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. But um but I think it's amazing obviously how you kind of get across like your, your kind of personality and stuff. And I think when I was reading your blog post, it was really interesting to her how you got diagnosed with 
your seafood algae later on in life. Could we talk a little bit about that? Because you lived in New York at the time of what, when that happened. Could we talk about a bit about New York? Because when I read it, I was like, she lived in New York. I was like, that's absolutely amazing. Um, how, how did that come about? Yeah, I went to drama school in New York. Um, for two years, I was in the drama school and <laughs> it was great. I, like, I love that city. I was, I used to go there every summer. Um, from my because of my mom's work so that was incredible like to be able to live there for I lived there for three years in total but the final day like my graduating day of drama school it was all great I was in a lovely dress and it was it was great and we I wanted to I've never had shellfish um because I think I have so many allergies and I had prawns when I was a ch- like a child, but I think I stopped when I got itchy or something yeah. like that. I stopped having them. Stop so I haven't them. had them for a long time. Um, and so I wanted to go to this seafood restaurant in Grand Central, which is like the biggest train station in um, New York. And it's incredible. And I've it's seen beautiful. it in films and like YouTube and it looks, yeah, it looks yeah. amazing. Like. There's, a scene, there's a scene in um, Gossip Girl, the TV show that she's coming down and there's the clock and it's just, it's a great, great train station. Um, but there was a seafood restaurant I always wanted to go. It's really fancy. There's like lots of champagne, all that. And I wanted to go and we went there and I wanted to get calamari because calamari, I was like, oh, it's not a sh- like shellfish. It's just calamari, it's squid. Like, it's fine. There's no shell. Yeah. Cool. So we got it and I got like some other sides and we got it all fine talking. And then I wanted to go to this graduation party. So I walked across New York um, to my friend and still fine. Like that was at least 40 minutes after I had... Um, the calamari. So nothing um, happened during that time between that 40 minutes. Nothing, didn't have to go hive or rash or nothing. Not, not, not a tingle, not like, oh, this feels weird. I enjoyed it so much. Like it was all fine. Um, and we were just walking down um, to go to like near my school. And I started just to itch on my back. And I, I don't know about like with hives, I don't know, like I never really get them, but I felt cold. On my back like I felt really cold like like it's just I don't know it's like yeah, yeah like a, a shiver. fever yeah, yeah like a yeah. shiver like all that and I was like oh it feels really cold like are you cold and I said that to my friend she's like yeah sure and like not is not cold at all it was a really hot summer it's a, yeah. it was in May it was hot in New York oh like it wasn't cold and I was like I feel I feel weird like I think I want to go into the farm so we went into the pharmacy we went upstairs and I got my, I, I saw the antihistamines. And so I just took an antihistamine because I was like, I'd rather be safe than sorry. Yeah. And I looked in the mirror and there was like a little bite over on my um, left eye. And I was like, that wasn't there before, but it's fine. Mosquitoes. Cool. Yeah. Went back and it had already swollen. Oh, and God. I was like, okay. I know what this is. And I said to my friend, I was like, you need to call the ambulance. Um, I need to give, you know, and she went downstairs to call. And I, yeah, it was just, it was such a crazy, like I did it and I, I took down my pants, which you don't need to do, not my pants, my trousers. You don't need to do. I think a lot of people think that as well, don't they? Like that you had to take down your pants and um, I remember like, I did that. Moment, yeah. and trust in the moment you're not thinking oh you don't like, have to yeah. do that I read you don't have to do that for me I go what did I learn when I was three and do it <laughs> you just do it you know yeah. 
Um, so we did the EpiPens. A woman helped me because um, the pharmacist was not helping me, which lovely. Um, and a woman helped me. Um, I did it. I got to the, and then I got in the ambulance, but I was sobbing the whole time. I was so scared, so, so scared every time. And it's not to be, I'm not saying this to be fearful, but even though I'm okay and I can do the EpiPen and I'm every time I know it's going to be fine, I'm terrified. Like who, like, you know, you never know what's yeah, going to happen. You see it, these things on the media. You're just terrified that you don't want to be a statistic. Like you don't want to be the, the person again, that's going to be blasted over the media saying this another person died from an allergy attack. Like I just always have that fear yeah so I mean I did it and it was cool um even though I always say like I I'm not afraid of the EpiPen and nobody should be afraid of the EpiPen I like I'm afraid of needles but the minute that this happens like EpiPen like the the quote like Epi first Epi fast and always carry two like that is always what I say like it doesn't matter about the needle at that point the only thing life and death is using the EpiPen like that's the only thing that you need to worry about but just because I have that in me and ingrained in me from a young young age I am always terrified I'm I think, always terrified that something's gonna go wrong it is quite scary like I know you you've kind of spoke about obviously in the media it kind of portrays it like you said as like a, a statistic and it's so the way the way the kind of like media portrays it sometimes doesn't help your kind of anxiety and using the art injector statistics throughout my whole life there's always like one every few week months you know somebody died of an allergy attack i don't want to be a statistic i don't want to be another person that's on the media you know to say this another one died what are we doing about it why did you I don't want an investigation into my death like you know I don't want that fear and I, I want to make sure that people know about what you can do and all these stories that we did do survive to case to young people so that you're like if you do carry your EpiPen and you are safe and all that you don't it doesn't have to be such a high statistic not not to say that you like it's not gonna nothing bad is gonna happen if you do but as long as we are doing all that we need to do, you're so much more likely to just get out of it okay. And, and it's, it's just like, the, yeah. Could you tell the listeners about the story where you went into anaphylactic shock and like the doctor said, if you didn't get a taxi or you didn't, could? because I thought that was like really like powerful when you kind of told that story about the importance of always kind of the art injector. Yeah, that was funny. I I was young. I don't even remember, now. I don't remember how old I was, but I was really young. I think I was like three, um, and I had an allergy to egg. And I was at a friend's house, and um, her mother gave me ice cream, and I had a little bit of it, and I was like, well, "This isn't right." And it had egg in the ice cream, and I um, had a reaction. My mom was around the corner because we lived in Notting Hill at the time. And so she came there and we drove straight to the nearest hospital, which was St. Charles's Hospital, but they didn't have an A&E. And um, we used, we, we got, we, I had antihistamine, but I was still having reactions. So we went in there and we went into the um, small unit um, at St. Charles and they called um, the doctor at St. Mary's, which is where I was born. And he berated my mother on the fact that 
one, I didn't go to the hospital that had an A&E, but two, I, she didn't use the EpiPen. And so he made her use the EpiPen because the hospital didn't have one. She made, he made her use the EpiPen on me at that hospital in front of the doctors. Um, and he said to her how, like, that I could have died based on her ignorance of not giving me the EpiPen immediately. And knowing that I had allergies, why didn't I give it to her? And why did I go to a hospital that didn't have an emergency room? And she said that from that day, she like she instilled that in me, like for like my whole life, you know. And it, that's why I don't. I'm not afraid to use it because I know how important it is, and I know that it it did save my life on so many occasions, especially even the one I had after that we were gonna go to St. Charles and I was eight years old then and I screamed and I said, no, we need to go to that has any and I used the EpiPen immediately in that reaction based on that circumstance. So it's so important that people do understand that if you have an EpiPen, you use it no matter what. Like, fine, take an antihistamine if you feel something cool, but if you feel like you're having an anaphylactic reaction, use the EpiPen. Don't be afraid. Don't not go to hospital. Even if you've used it, still go to hospital, but you need to still use it because you have to go to hospital if you have a secondary reaction, if you, you know, if you have an extra reaction, you know, sometimes it's, you know, delayed. You, you just, you got to use it and you got to go to hospital. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, thank you for like sharing that story, like, because obviously it's very kind of personal to you and you've kind of shared that online to everyone and, it really kind of resonated with me because I remember like me as a kid growing up and then I had, I had like a really severe allergic reaction and I spoke to my mum last year about it and she was like, there's times where maybe I should have used like the art injector, but she was like quite scared. But I think now she's kind of like, people have kind of spoke about it online about using the art injector and the importance of it. Like I think if I ever had an allergic reaction now and I couldn't administer it myself, she would definitely administer it. And I think that's because people like yourself are speaking about it online and there's so many different like food advocates kind of talking about the the importance of like using the art injector. And I think by kind of sharing that experiences, it's been amazing to kind of like raise awareness about it. And I really kind of resonated with that story because my mum was probably the same situation as yours where there was a bit hesitant. But I think now like now having by sharing your experiences, like you can take that forward and someone will be like, oh, I'm, I'm definitely going to use it because I've always been a big advocate of like always using art injectors if you feel like you're kind of like speaking up about it. Um, hopefully more people definitely use it if they feel like the reaction is really, really bad. Also, I want to um, make a point as well because I think a lot of people are talking about um, showing their friends and family how to use the EpiPen and, or how to use the auto injector. And I want to say as well, you also need to show yourself because I used to... I used to do it blindfolded and I wanted to make sure or close my eyes and I, I wanted to make sure that I knew even if I couldn't see where I where it went if I could like because sometimes the swelling gets in your eyes and if you're alone like I alone with one roommate but like I, I'm alone quite a lot especially in isolation and I have to you know I always want to make sure that I know where where to put it 
It's so interesting. I never even thought about like your eyes swollen and not being able to see where to administer it in the leg. Like, so I mean, every reaction is different, and every person's reaction is different. So, but my always it starts with my eyes. Yeah. So, say so I have to make sure I know wherever I am that I know where it is on my leg, and so show all your friends and family, but make sure you're doing it yourself as well. Yeah. I think that's such an important lesson for anyone like taking away like from this podcast or anything. Cause we, I mean, we spoke so much about the orange exercises, but I think that kind of piece of advice is so powerful that like, make sure that you know how to use it. And like you said, by doing it blindfolded, just in case, like you said, you can't see, you do know how to use it. I mean, I never even really kind of thought about that. So yeah, thanks for also crying. I've, I've cried every time I've used it. And, you know, when you're crying, sometimes like don't drive when you're crying because you can't see, you know, you you want to make sure that you know it, even if you're crying, like hyperventilating, yeah. make sure that you know how to use it in the worst case scenario. Yeah, no, I think it's a really interesting piece of advice. Um, can we kind of like finish the podcast kind of talking about like your anxiety and how you've kind of managed that and obviously being in isolation um, obviously has that helped your anxiety living with severe allergy? Yeah, so I, I know that you talked about like mental health and anxiety and um, I think you mentioned like the media has made your anxiety worse. Oh, in, absolutely, yeah, yeah. And that for me, especially when I got into the blog and just thought, oh my God, I actually don't know anything um, educational about allergies. I know my experience, but I don't know anything about like the science behind it so i decided to like do all the research and do the science and do the media and do the stats and oh that was very very scary times for me um really really hard on my anxiety i didn't want to go out for a while sometimes ignorance is bliss in a way of you've eaten it before and you've been comfortable at a restaurant before and just because somebody else isn't comfortable at that restaurant doesn't mean you're not comfortable. And if you feel like you've had a good experience somewhere, trust your gut. Yeah. Somebody else has a different instinct. And I have a restaurant that I don't feel comfortable with at all. And a lot of people are like, they are the allergy restaurant. That's how they feel. So, but that's okay. Like we don't have to agree on this, on the same restaurant. We don't have to agree on the same, like a lot of people like, um, eat may contain you yeah. know they, they're fine with their may contain eating I have never ever eaten anything that has may contain because I think why risk it I'd rather just not eat that I know this everyone's so different I remember there's um a guy who I know and he's lives with like severe allergies actually he's got more allergies than me and he risks eat may contain and I've always been like I just think you're a bit silly you know what I mean it's not worth for me like taking that gamble but like I said, everyone's different, but we can only kind of give our experiences and advice and hopefully change people's minds. And that's with your, like for the anxiety as well. Like if you feel fear, if you feel like you get that feeling, no matter what, if you feel it in your like tummy and you feel this isn't right, trust it, like yeah. trust yourself. Because if you're wrong, fine, you're wrong, but you, you left anyway. But if you're right and you're, it's not a good place, that's your life, you know? So it's better to trust your gut and be wrong than to go against your instinct. And I think it's so important, like, like you mentioned, like going with your gut feeling. And I've kind of, 
I've spoken a little bit about this as well. And it, like you said, it's like so important to go your gut feeling if you're eating out in a restaurant and you don't think they're taking your order seriously or you're on a night out and you're ordering a cocktail and you think they've not cleaned the gla- glass properly, which might have contained um, one of your allergens. Like always go your gut feeling and just like walk away from that restaurant or walk away from that bar and don't let anyone push you around and be be vocal about it. I just, I just, I just, nobody can make you do anything and you don't have to do, you don't have to eat or drink anything that you don't want to do. Yeah. You know, um, it's just, everyone has to deal with the anxiety and the fear of the food anxiety and it comes out in different ways, but just do what makes you happy. And if that means not go eating out or if it means eating out, do it as long as you feel safe in yourself thank you so much for coming on to the make and tame podcast it's been amazing to have you on and i think amazing things like within the algae community and supporting young people with allergies and i think what you've done over the last like you said you said it in 2015 but over the last like year of kind of really promoting it on your instagram and your blog posts are like really making a real difference to young people with allergies so yeah thank you so much for coming on today if you want to check out the algae table instagram is the.algetable and she's also got a blog which is www.thealgetable.org so yeah make sure to check it out obviously the blog posts are absolutely incredible thank you for taking your time out the day to listen to the make and tame podcast and if you're new to make and tame make sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes speak to you guys soon bye